is Wealth Wake Up with Dick Donahue on KGMI News Talk 790, 96.5 FM in Bellingham and KGMI.com. Saturday morning. Welcome to Wealth Wake Up Live. Uh, stretching here to get in the chair. Sorry about that. A little longer music than normal today. But want to wish everybody a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. And thank you as always for being with us. And we're going to go ahead and start out with our weekly wrap. The market logged its eighth straight week of gains ahead of the extended holiday weekend. The same factors that fueled the big run late October from the late October lows were in play this week, namely a drop in market rates, an optimistic outlook on the economy, a fear of missing out on further gains, and an increase in speculative trading in the absence of concerted selling activity. The last factor drove the outperformance of the Russell 2000, which climbed 2.5% this week. Gains were relatively broad-based, leaving 10 of the 11 S&P 500 sectors higher for the week. The loan sector that declined 1.3% was the rate-sensitive utilities sector. Meanwhile, the communication services sector registered the biggest gain by a wide margin of 4.1%. They benefited from the outsized gains in its largest components. Meta platforms jumped 5.5% this week. Alphabet, or Google as we know it, increased by 6.6%. The best performing sectors were the economically sensitive energy, up 1.7%, and materials up 1.1% sectors, reflecting the positive sentiment around the economic outlook. Micron was an individual winner of note after better-than-expected earnings results and guidance. But on the flip side, FedEx and Nike Both registered big losses on the week after disappointing guidance. The overall market wasn't too worried about the disappointing guidance from some individual stocks, though. Economic data remains consistent with a soft landing scenario for the economy. The November personal income and spending report showed a healthy four-tenths of 1% increase in real disposable personal income and a three-tenths of 1% increase in real spending and disinflation, both the PCE and the core PCE prices index, which are the Fed's favored inflation gauge. Housing starts were much stronger than expected in November. Consumer confidence increased in December, and the level of initial claims is still a long way from being associated with levels registered during a recession. Continuing by interest in the Treasury market was partially in response to economic data. The two-year note settled 10 basis points, that'd be a tenth of 1%, lower this week at 4.33%, and the 10-year note yield declined two basis points this week to 3.90%. Activity in the Treasury market was also supported by some safe haven trading after geopolitical angst was stirred this week. Specifically, several shipping companies, including BP, rerouted ships away from the Red Sea because of attacks on vessels by the Houthi militants. As a reminder, markets are closed on Monday for Christmas Day, but here are some summaries for the week. Starting out with Monday, following a seven-week win streak, the S&P 500 was up a half percent. The Nasdaq Composite was up six-tenths of one percent, closed with gains thanks to the strength in their mega-cap components, while the Dow Jones Industrial Average closed flat and the Russell 2000 declined a tenth of one percent. There was a lot, wasn't not a lot of conviction on either side of the tape, the lack of strong selling interest after big gains since late October was its own support factor for stocks, along with a buzz of merger and, act- and, and acquisition activity highlighted by Nippon Steel's $55 per share all-cash offer for U.S. Steel and a fear of missing out on further gains. 
The Treasury market experienced modest selling activity, especially in longer-dated tenures. The price action was partially related to rising prices. It had 72.82 plus 142 plus 2 percent, which followed reports of several shipping companies, including BP, suspending travel through the Red Sea. Monday's economic data was limited to the NHB Housing Market Index, which climbed to 37 in December. That was up from 34 in November. On Tuesday, we saw stocks build on their gains. On Tuesday, the Dow Jones Industrial Average closed at a fresh record high. The S&P 500 closed above six, by just six-tenths of 1% below its prior record, closing a high of 47.96.56. The advanced decline line favored advancers by a better than 4-to-1 margin at the New York Stock Exchange and nearly 2-to-1 at the NASDAQ. Small-cap stocks outperformed the broader market, reflecting an increase in speculative trading in the absence of concerted selling activity. The positive bias was supported in part by seasonality and a fear of missing out on further gains along with a drop in market rates. Factors that drove price action in the Treasury market included the Bank of Japan's decision to leave its policy rate unchanged at minus tenth of 1% and to stick with a negative interest rate policy, a report showing housing starts were much stronger than expected in November, an upward revision of the Atlanta Fed GDP Now model, estimate for the first quarter real GDP growth at 2.7 from 2.6%, and Atlanta Fed's President Bostix, who is a uh, 24 voter for the FOMC, telling listeners in an event in Atlanta that he does not see an urgency to cut rates in 24. That was in according to Bloomberg. So reviewing Tuesday's data, we saw that November building permits were 1.460 million. Uh, the prior was revised to 14.98 million. November housing starts at 1.56 million. The key takeaway from this report is that single unit activity is on the plus side up a robust 18% for starts and up a more modest 7 tenths of 1% for permits. Those are welcome indications that a housing market uh, constrained by a low inventory of existing homes for sale. On Wednesday, we saw the trade look a lot different in the early going compared to when things standed up. The Russell 2000 was up 9 tenths of 1% in its early session. The S&P 500 was up 2 tenths. At its high for the day, the NASDAQ composite was up 4 tenths of 1%. The market saw an abrupt reversal in afternoon trading that happened without a news catalyst. There was some talk that the trading activity in zero-day options hastened the retreat, but in, in any case, the major indices were all overdue for a pullback after their huge run in late October and also likely fell prone to uh, general profit-taking activity. The afternoon uh, slide left the major indices near their worst levels of the season, uh, session, I should say, with losses ranging from 1.3 to 1.9%. The S&P 500 closed just below the 4,700 level, which leaves the index up 14.1% from its low on October 27th. Just about everything came along for the retreat. The industrial sector fell 1.6%, due in part to a big loss at FedEx following its disappointing fiscal year 24 revenue guidance. Political angst was a part of the market narrative on Wednesday, which didn't move stocks that much, but contributed to buying interest in treasuries. Bloomberg reported that the U.S. and its allies are considering strikes against the rebels in Yemen following their disruption of the Red Sea shipping activity. So reviewing Wednesday's activity, we saw that the weekly mortgage banker applications index were down one and a half. The week before, they were up 7.4%. Uh, we saw that the Consumer Confidence Index is 110.7. The key takeaway from this report is recognition that it was renewed optimism across all ages and household income levels and attention being paid to improved inflation trends, business conditions, and job availability. We saw November's existing home sales at $3.82 million. The key takeaway from this report is that sales of existing homes continued to be crimped by high mortgage rates, high selling prices, and limited inventory. However, the recent drop in mortgage rates is expected to be a strong driver to giving activity in December. Existing home sales are counted when closed. New home sales are counted when the contracts are signed. Dick Donahue with you with Wealth Wake Up Live. We'll be back shortly.
A crisp company logoed shirt or uniform from Bergen. Whatcom County's local logo apparel experts makes your employees look and feel more professional. Bergen pairs their commitment to personal service with professional results, specializing in embroidery and all kinds of logoed promotional products. Unlike when you place an order online, Bergen's guarantees that your order will be completed on time to your specifications with a smile. Get your logo on the best brand names out there from North Face, Carhartt, Columbia, Russell Outdoor, Adidas and Izod, Van Heusen, Tommy Hilfinger, and more. Your employees will want to rep your brand in Bergen's logoed work apparel. And why not start a new company tradition with Employee Milestones Appreciation Customized Gear? Elevate your brand with Bergen Customized Company Apparel. From polos to sweatshirts, ball caps to bags and more. Bergen does it all. Give them a call to get a quote within 24 hours. Or stop by the showroom Monday through Thursday on Iron Gate in Bellingham. And online at bergenembroidery.com. At number one automotive body repair, we know you're a great driver. The creme de la creme, the cream of the crop. Dare we say, F1's 2024 hotshot, but everyone else on the road, they're not you. And when they ruin your day, we're here to help. Bellingham's number one automotive body repair is the premier location for all your collision repair needs. Learn more at number1abr.com, part of the number one collision group. There's a lot going on right now, and broadcasters are on the ground covering all of it, bringing you the weather, the traffic, and breaking news, all while entertaining you 24 hours a day. Someone needs to tell you what's going on around the world and in our hometowns, and that someone is us. We are free radio. We are always there. We are broadcasters. Visit wearebroadcasters.com or text radio to 52886 to learn more. Furnished by NAB and this station. The opinions expressed on this program are not necessarily those of KGMI or the Cascade Radio Group. If tomorrow all the things were gone, I'd work for all my life. And I had to start again with just my children and my wife. Welcome back to Wealth Wake Up Live. Dick Donahue with you Saturday morning. Again, Merry Christmas to all. You're getting ready. Hope you're great and having a great time with your families. We'll see what happens as weather. Sure, been back and forth out there. Anyway, we're Asset Advisors. We are located out on the Pacific Highway in the Pacific Commerce Center. It's out next to Wilson's Furniture on Old Highway 99 or Pacific Highway. Address is 5060 Pacific Highway, Suite 101, Ferndale, 98248. Our Phone number 360-733-1200. And check out our website at wealthwakeup.com. Okay, continuing on with this week's market summary, we saw on Thursday that the market rebounded following a late session slide on Wednesday. The Dow Jones Industrial Average was up 9 tenths of 1%. The S&P 500 was up 1%, and the NASDAQ Composite jumped one3 The Russell 2000 gained one7 Gains have been less robust throughout most of the session until buying increased over the last 30 minutes of trading, leaving the major indices near their highs of the day. Thursday's buying activity was broad-based. Semiconductor stocks were notably strong, providing a measure of support to the broader market after better-than-expected results and guidance from Micron. The upside bias was supported by a continued inclination to buy on weakness, a batch of economic data that meshed with the soft landing narrative and a drop in oil prices. Related to Reuters' report that Angola is leaving OPEC, which may leave OPEC with less control on production levels. So reviewing Thursday's economic data, we saw that the November economic leading activity index was down a half a percent. Initial jobless claims for the week ending December 16th increased by 2,000 to 205,000, and continuing claims for the week ending December 9th decreased by 1,000 to 1.865 million. The key takeaway from this report is virtually the same as last week because initial claims were virtually the same in the latest week. The level of initial claims is still a long way from being associated with levels registered during the recession. The third estimate of the third quarter GDP was revised lower, but it was still heady 4.9%. That's versus an estimated 5.2% and 2.1% in the second quarter. 
The GDP price deflator was revised down to 3.3% from 3.6% in the second estimate and 1.7% in the second quarter. The key takeaway from this report is the downward revision largely reflected a downward revision to consumer spending growth to 3.1% from 3.6% in the second estimate. The December Philadelphia Fed index checked in at minus 10.5. That was versus minus 5.9 in November. A number below zero for this series is indicated above contractions. The key takeaway from this report from a market anticipating a soft landing is that most activity indicators rose, which points to widespread expectations for overall growth in the next six months. And on Friday, we saw that the uh, overall positive vibe of a highly traded session ahead of the extended holiday weekend. Advancing issues were roughly two to one, leading lead, lead over declining issues in both the New York Stock Exchange and the NASDAQ. Market participants were digesting some economic releases, which mostly fit with the soft landing narrative. The calendar was headlined by a November personal income and spending report, which contained a healthy four-tenths of 1% increase in real disposable personal income, a three-tenths of 1% in real spending, and disinflation in both the PCE and the core PCE price indexes. The three major indices <coughs> traded with modest gains for most of the session, but hit an air pocket a little over to after 2 p.m. Eastern time that brought the indices below Thursday's closing levels. The <coughs> short-lived deterioration did not have a specific news catalyst to account for this activity. We had a big loss in Nike, which reported second-quarter fiscal earnings and disappointing guidance that contributed to the relative underperformance of the Dow Jones Industrial Average. We also had some merger act and acquisition activity featuring Bristol Myers acquiring Karina Therapeutics for $330 a share in cash. Total equity value is about $14 billion. The acquisition priced in a 53% premium over Thursday's closing price. So reviewing Friday's economic data, we saw that personal income increased four-tenths of 1% month over month in November as expected following an upwardly revised three-tenths of 1% increase in October. Personal spending was up two-tenths of 1% as expected, all following a downward revised one-tenth of 1% increase in December, October. And the PCE price index declined a tenth of 1% month month over month, taking the year-over-year change to 2.6% from 2.9%. That was the first decline in PCE price index since 2020. And the core PCE price index, which is the Fed's preferred inflation gauge, increased a tenth of 1%, taking the year-over-year change to 3.2 from 3.4. The key takeaway from this report is it threads the needle for the Fed aiming to bring down inflation with higher rates, but not tank the economy in the process. A three-tenths of 1% month-over-month jump in the PCE combined with a four-tenths of 1% increase in real disposable personal income and the disinflation of the PCE price indexes in, in, is the stuff that the soft landings, no landings are made of. We saw durable goods or surge 5.4% month-over-month in November, following an upwardly revised 5.1% decline in October. If you exclude transportation, durable goods orders were up a half a percent month over a month. That also uh, following a downwardly revised three-tenths of one percent decline in October. So the key takeaway from this report was found in the reading for the non-defense capital goods orders, excluding transportation, a proxy for business spending. It was up eight-tenths of one percent month over month in the heels of a six-tenths of one percent decline in October, uh, connoting a a welcome acceleration in order activity that will mesh with a soft landing outlook. We also saw the final reading of the University of Michigan's Consumer Sentiment Index for December came in at 69.7. That was reversed as a preliminary reading of 69.4. That was up nicely from the final reading of 61.3 in November. It marked a recovery of all the declines from the previous four months. In the same period a year ago, the index stood at 59.8. So our key takeaway from this report is that the linkage between the increase in sentiment and the decrease in inflation expectations, the latter set the tone for improved uh, attitudes across age, income, education, geography, and political identification. 
New home sales increased 12.2% month-over-month in November to a seasonality-adjusted high of 590,000 units. That was from a downward revised 672,000 in October. On a year-over-year basis, new home sales are up 1.4%. Our key takeaway from this report is that new home sales activity slumped badly in November, paced uh, paced by the largest uh, region of new home sales in the South, where prices generally are more affordable. The weakness speaks to supply constraints for lower-priced homes, given the affordability constraints uh, created by high mortgage rates and high prices relative to median prices for existing homes. So as of yesterday, the Dow Jones Industrial Average is now up 12.8% for the year. The NASDAQ is up 43.2%. The S&P 500 is up 23.8%. And the Russell 2000 is up 15.5%. Dick Donahue with you with Wealth Wake Up Live here in KGMI. We're going to go ahead and take our break. We'll be back after a little news and short break. Thanks for being with us. DeWard and Bodie's annual year-end mattress clearance is on now at their Bellingham Mattress Showroom. With huge savings and a special offer this weekend you won't find anywhere else. Now through Sunday, DeWard and Bodie will pay your sales tax on all qualifying in-stock mattresses and give you no interest financing for up to five full years on qualifying orders with no money down at checkout. Plus, make your purchase by this Sunday at noon and DeWard and Bodie will deliver, set up, and haul away your old mattress before Christmas while availability lasts. Combine these special offers with end-of-season savings up to 50% off on select clearance, floor model, and closeout beds. Experience the largest selection of in-stock mattresses in Whatcom County from Tempur-Pedic, Stearns & Foster, and Sealy with over 35 beds on display. Save your holiday cash at DeWard & Bodie this weekend, and they'll pay your sales tax on all qualifying in-stock mattresses or give you no money down and no interest for up to five years on qualifying orders. Only at DeWard & Bodie, the appliance and mattress giants. Financing OAC qualifications apply. How do we earn our reputation for repairs you can trust? Great mechanics? Yeah. Quality parts? Absolutely. But the real secret is knowing the most important part of every vehicle is the driver. And here's your keys. She's already Right on time. Thanks. With over 30 years of service, you can trust Bellingham Automotive to help you with any regular maintenance needs or unexpected repairs. Schedule your appointment at 360-676-5200 or visit BellinghamAutomotive.com. Give the gift of travel this holiday season and ring in the new year with a -a once-in-a-lifetime adventure. KGMI and Bel Air Tours and Adventures invite you to join the Cape Cod and the Islands Tour June 1st through the 7th with me, Deanna Haraluk. Explore the sandy beaches of Nantucket Island and Martha's Vineyard and cruise your way through the rich American history of the New England coast. Save your seat. They're going quickly. Visit KGMI.com to find out more. Tuning into the high school football game. Monitoring the incoming storm. They say what I think, but smarter. Catching your favorite talk show. These are just few of the reasons more than 80 million Americans depend on AM radio. And AM radio is the backbone of the emergency alert system, keeping you and your family safe in dangerous times. Visit wearebroadcasters.com to learn more and tell us how you depend on AM radio stations like KGMI. The latest local news and important topics of the day from the West Mechanical Studio. No gimmicks, just the highest quality systems, 0% interest financing, and a 100% satisfaction guarantee. Rely on West Mechanical Heating, Air Conditioning, and Electrical. Contact them today at westmechanical.net. Get the latest news and information 24-7 with KGMI News Talk 790, 96.5 FM in Bellingham and KGMI.com. CBS News Brief. The Supreme Court has decided against ruling now on whether Donald Trump can be prosecuted for his actions interfering with the 2020 election. CBS's Willie James in... Don't actually know how each judge felt about this decision. Either way, arguments at the U.S. Court of Appeals, D.C. Circuit are set for January 9th. It eventually will likely go back to the high court. U.N. Secretary General Antonio Guterres says Palestinian civilians in Gaza need more than humanitarian aid. A humanitarian ceasefire is the only way to begin to meet the desperate needs of people in Gaza and end their ongoing nightmare. 
Two Denver paramedics have been convicted in connection to the death of Elijah McClain. After the verdict was read, Shanine McClain wiped away tears. And when Peter Chikuniak was led away in handcuffs, an audible cry came from the side of the courtroom where his family was sitting. CBS News Brief. I'm Stacey Lynn. And I'm proud to be an American where at least I know I'm free. And I won't forget the men who Welcome back to Wealth Wake Up Live. Dick Donahue with you this Saturday morning. You know, today I'm going to take a little look at the deeper look at retail sales. And basically it's shining a spotlight on the consumer and the ongoing economic recovery. Retail sales help us gauge the trends, shaping consumer spending, which is a large part of GDP. The detailed retail sales report focuses on two key categories, durable goods characterized by longer intervals between successive purchases like a dishwasher and non-durable goods like groceries, gasoline, or dishwashing detergent, which are either immediately consumed or have a lifespan of less than three years. The only services-oriented component of retail sales is represented by restaurants and bars, This data sheds light on how individuals allocate their resources. Over the last past decade, significant shifts in spending patterns have emerged, and we represent, we're going to look at three different illustrations that weave a richer narrative into the broader story of consumer spending today. So first of all, let's take a look at nominal versus real retail sales and food services. The Census Bureau's advanced retail sales report showed sales up rose three-tenths of 1% in November. That's up 4.1% from a year ago. And while these figures are solid, the essential question is whether consumers are becoming better off. Retail sales are now at record highs, but they do not adjust for price changes. In real inflation-adjusted terms, retail sales have been stagnant. In fact, Real inflation-adjusted retail sales over the past two years have been flat, with reported overall nominal sales grew by 10.4%. This implies that the entire upswing in retail sales is attributed to escalating prices rather than an increased volume of goods. Essentially, consumers as a whole are shelling out more while receiving the same quantity, signaling a potential decline in their standard of living. Let's also take a look at the non-store retailer sales versus the general merchandising store sales. Non-store retailers, which are your internet and mail order sales, were up 16.8%. The total retail sales in November, marking the largest share ever outside of a two-month spike induced by COVID shutdowns. A decade ago, the contribution of non-store sales of retail was a mere 8.6% versus general merchandise stores, which made up 13% of retail. Exactly five years ago, non-store sales surpassed uh, uh, merchandise store sales for the first time. We believe non-store sales will continue to grow as a share of overall retail sales in years to come. Just like Amazon, there are an estimated 167.2 million Prime memberships in the United States today, outnumbering the 130.6 million households in the country. And then let's take a look at restaurant and bar sales and food and beverage store sales. Over the last two decades, a continued shift has occurred between sales at food and beverage stores, think grocers, and sales at restaurants and bars. In November, sales at restaurants and bars reached a historic high, constituting 13.4% of total retail sales, while food and beverage uh, uh, stores' share of retail sales lingered uh, near record lows of 11.7%. This shift signals a growing preference for dining out or ordering over cooking at home. However, the most striking aspect of this this, uh, uh, unfolds in the pandemic-ridden year of 2020. Amid widespread panic and lockdowns, sales at food and beverage stores rocketed 26.1% in a single month, reaching the highest 
share of retail sales up 17.4% since 1993, while sales of restaurants and bars nosedive by an astonishing 54.6% over that same two-month period, hitting the lowest share of 7.6% since 1973. So big change in shopping patterns. People are buying online. People are eating out more. Interesting. Okay, let's go ahead and take another look here, too. Um, got a little thing called revenge spending. We're finding this driving credit card debt past $1 trillion. Americans' consumers have continued to splurge in 2023, boosting the economy with what we call revenge travel, Taylor Swift tickets, and expensive restaurant meals. But a lot of it is funded with debt. Credit card balances at U.S. increased by about $48 billion in the third quarter alone, pushing the total to $1.08 trillion, according to the New York Federal Reserve. And that was before the holiday shopping season started in earnest. The bills are mounting at a time when the average annual pay percentage rate, or APR, has soared north of 20%, which is the highest on record. The health of the U.S. consumer will be closely watched by the U.S. Federal Reserve as they eye, cuts, eye rate cuts this next year. With stock market rebounding this year, many Americans riding the benefits of higher wages, there's plenty of data indicating that the economy is strong. At the same time, an estimated 40% of Americans have drained their pandemic savings to affordable uh, to afford ballooning bills. And videos of TikTok are detailing a so-called silent recession as millions struggle to keep up with their student loan bills, car payments, higher housing costs, and elevated grocery bills. This has experts worried about how many consumers are increasingly relying on credit cards and other debt to cover their everyday expenses. Consumers have learned that their available lines of credit are for necessities, things that we expect consumers to be able to pay with cash that they have on hand, but they're running out of room. One specific area of concern is the increasing popularity of buy-now-pay-later services, which typically allow consumers to pay for purchases in four installments, often with no fee unless a payment is missed. The debt is not reported to credit bureaus, meaning no one knows for sure how much is out there. Adobe Analytics reported consumers using $67 billion of installment loans this year through Cyber Monday, a 16% increase compared to 2022. Wells Fargo, meanwhile, estimates that consumers spend about $46 billion using the products this year. Delinquency rates for credit cards are, are just slightly above pre-pandemic levels, but economists warn that the outlook for consumer debt is starting to darken. Some banks are reducing credit card limits and closing the unused lines of credit, an indication that the consumer debt won't play, play the locomotive role it did in driving spending in 2024. It's not only credit cards where consumers are building up debt. There's student loans, auto loans. If you look at how much interest costs are eating uh, paychecks, it's as big as it's been since 2008, and that is starting to worry some. We also saw this week a report came out on mortgages, and we're seeing that the mortgage U.S. 30-year mortgage rate has slid down to an average of 6.67%. That's the lowest since June of this year. The uh, uh, mortgage rates continue to slide, dropping the lowest since June, bolstering hopes of a housing rebound in the new year. The average 30-year rate, as I said, the fixed loan was 6.67%. That was down from 6.95% last week, and that's according to a statement from Freddie Mac on Thursday. Borrowing costs have fallen each week. Since peaking at 7.79% in late October, the decline is welcome news for would-be homebuyers who have been postponing purchases in one of the least affordable housing markets on record. Many economists expect demand for homes to increase and mortgage rates to slip further as the Federal Reserve winds down its inflation-fighting campaign. Lower rates are, are building potential home builders, are, are bringing potential home buyers who were previously waiting on the sidelines back into the market. Sales of previously owned homes increased in November after five months of declines, according to the National Association of Realtors. Because of the index measured closed deals, potential contracts that have been signed 
when borrowing costs were at a two-decade highs, the, the uptick signals a shift in buyer activity as mortgage rates fall. And while transactions remain near record levels, each small win in affordability uh, helps thaw the market slightly. Buyers still face a critical shortage of existing homes for sale, an inventory crunch that has kept prices high. Home builders have helped to fill the void, off, uh, often uh, offering consumers discounted mortgages and other incentives. So we're seeing some changes out there as far as what's happening in the home markets, interest rates. We're going to see maybe some loosening up. Maybe we'll see some of those people sitting on some of those low-rate mortgages that they've had for a long time deciding to finally go out there and sell them. We also saw a report this week that baby boomers now hold, uh, over age 70, hold more than 30% of the country's wealth. And they most of them, while they don't work, they were severed and they get older. They had their share of collective wealth surge during the pandemic. As a group, these older baby boomers have accumulated $14 trillion in additional net worth since the end of 2019, based on Federal Reserve data. Their share in the country's wealth has jumped to a record 30% last quarter, even though they account for about 11% of the population. The aging population helps explain some of the gains. There's about 2.3 million more people over age 70 in, in the country in 2019 that one major driver of the surge in home values and stocks during this pandemic, which benefited older generations most likely to own a house or two and hold equities or mutual funds. And although people who are over age 70 are typically retired, we have a rising proportion of that age group that's still working. The share of adults aged 65 and more in the labor force reached a historic low of 10% in the mid-1980s, but has since almost doubled, according to Bureau of Labor Statistics, even with many retired early in the onset of the COVID-19 health crisis. The, uh, the uh, Fed data also show that Americans between age 40 and 70, decades when people usually reach their earnings peak, are holding a smaller share of household wealth than they were in 2019. So we're looking at the longer period. The, sh- the sharp increase in wealth for older People is even more pronounced. In 25 years, the aggregate wealth of Americans age 70 and older has been sixfold to 43.3 billion. Over the same period of time, the wealth of those under age 55 rose about two and a half times. Older Americans also have been the beneficiaries of good timing in the stock market, despite recessions along the way. Since 2019, those age 70 and older have collectively gained about five trillion in equity gains. Close to 38% of the nation's corporate equities and mutual fund shares are held by people in that age group in the third quarter. That's the highest share on record for data dating back to 1989. Dick Donahue with you with Wealth Wake Up Live. We'll be back shortly. The cheapest gas, the best price for groceries, lowest cost sell plan. There are lots of decisions you should make based just on price. But when it comes to reliably heating and cooling your home for decades, the real bargain is the quality of the equipment and the company installing it. Hi, I'm Joe Tian for my friends at West Mechanical Heating, Air Conditioning, and Electrical. They offer the best premium train products, along with installation and follow-up you can count on year after year, all with a 100% satisfaction guarantee. West Mechanical's pros will come to your home and give you an honest assessment of what's best to keep you and your family comfortable, whether it's keeping your current system running in tip-top shape or starting the new year with a new efficient system that will last for years to come at a price you can afford and with that bargain of real quality. They offer 0% financing on approved credit. I count on West Mechanical to keep my equipment running great, and they'll do the same for you. Get to know them and the quality they can bring to you and your home today at westmechanical.net. Dedicated to service, shining a light on local individuals, law enforcement, and groups giving back to our community. Brought to you by Neater House of Luxury in Bellingham. Dedicated to service acknowledges the Whatcom Literacy Council staff, volunteers, and the many community contributors who helped make this year literacy breakfast a huge success. More than $30,000 was raised to help fund free adult literacy programs in Whatcom County. Improved literacy
literacy is a key component to help people become more empowered, employable, and better able to care for themselves and their families. And this money will help provide free tutoring and small group classes for hundreds of local adults motivated to learn. Dedicated to service. Brought to you by Nieder House of Luxury. Voted best jewelry store in the Northwest. This holiday, start with Nieder House of Luxury for their beautiful selection of jewelry with unique and custom designs perfect for the one you love for Christmas and the new year. Find them at 21 Bellwether Way, Suite 107, next to Lombardi's back patio. Neater House of Luxury. Cause there ain't no doubt I love this land. God bless the USA. Welcome back to Wealth Wake Up Live. Dick Donnie with you this Saturday morning. Got questions for me? You can always give me a call. 360-733-1200. Okay, well, you know, we could see some big changes in the tax laws coming here at the end of 2025. So it's probably a good time to start preparing for the possible end of the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act, which will sunset. So we haven't yet said goodbye to 23, but it's not too early to start thinking about changes that may be coming our way. The Tax Cuts and Jobs Act, or TCGA, of 2017 was designed to overhaul the federal tax code by reforming individual and business taxes. As a result, sweeping tax changes lowered marginal tax rates and the cost of capital. And although some of these provisions are permanent, most of the individual tax changes are not. Unless Congress asks, acts, many of the changes implemented in the scheduled are scheduled to sunset at the end of 2025. At that time, rates will revert back to those pre-2017 levels. But knowing what changes may be coming and preparing for this reality may be a good first step. There may be actions that you can take to prepare when you for what may happen next. So let's take a brief summary of the tax cut and the Jobs Act, the related changes that are expected in each quarter leading up to 2025 at the sunset. We need to keep in mind, for informational purposes only, that we're talking about this. It's not intended to, as a replacement for real-life advice, so make sure that you consult with your tax, legal, or accounting professional before modifying your strategy in anticipation of those adjustments. We need a reminder, though, that tax laws are constantly changing. There are no guarantees that all provisions of the Tax Cuts and Job Act will expire. So let's take an overall overview of those what the Tax Cut and Jobs Act did. When it was passed in 17, we had lowered most individual income tax rates, including the top marginal rate from 39.6% to 37%. The law maintained the pre-existing seven-bracket rate structure, but income thresholds were updated. The Tax Act also increased the standard deduction to $12,400 for single filers and $24,800 for married filers versus $6,500 for single and $9,550 for married under the prior code. So a huge increase in your standard deduction. To offset some of the associated costs, the Act eliminated the personal exemption and various other miscellaneous deductions and limited certain itemized deductions like the state and local tax, or what we call SALT deduction. The Tax Act also increased the child ta- tax credit from 1000 to $2,000 from the first 1400 of that, which was refundable, and raised the associated income threshold from 110000 to 400000 The Act also lowered the corporate income tax rate uh, for businesses from 35% to 21% starting in 2018. It also allowed for full and immediate expensing of short-lived capital investments for five years, increased the Section 179 expensing cap from 500000 to a million, and furthermore, the bill eliminated or curtailed a variety of business taxes and expenditures, including the deductibility of net interest, net operating loss carrybacks, and carry-forwards, and the corporate alternative minimum tax. We also saw that the top corporate rate um, in the United States, as I said, dropped down to 21%. Now, that's been happening across the board. If you look at the Organization for Economic um, 
for economic expansion and cooperation, I should say, in development, the rates of basically worldwide have been dropping for quite a while. So the fact that we dropped those in the U.S. is is significant. We also saw a um, what's scheduled. Let's take a look at those tax rates. The the reduction in tax rates for individuals and married couples in 2017 it may increase back to where they were. Uh, and that means that after 2025, uh, the uh, 37% we have today will be 39.6. The 24% rate is scheduled to revert to 28. The 22% rate will go to 25. And the current 12% rate that we see will go to 15. We're also seeing tax brackets that you fall in to based on your income may also go back to broader ranges than they were in effect before the uh, tax act cuts. So a c- couple things to think about here, especially things that we do a lot of, things like Roth conversions and things like that. The next two-year window is going to be something that's significant for us to continue to t- take a look at whether or not it makes sense, take advantage of those 12% and 15% rates or even some of the 22% rates. We also saw that the um, estate and gift tax exemption under the uh, Jobs Act, the federal lifetime estate uh, exclusion, uh, basically went to $12.292 million this day, this year. Inflation could also increase it for both next year and 2025. But these levels are temporary. And like other provisions of the Job Act, this increase in the, state, in the estate and gift tax exclusion is going to sunset after 2025. We're looking as it stands right now for that to drop back to $5 million and then also be adjusted for inflation. We're also seeing your standard deduction personal exemptions. The Tax Job Act eliminated personal exemption of $4,050. It doubled the standard deductions, increased adjusting for inflation each year. The standard deduction for single filers increased from $6,350 to $12,000. And, and for married filing jointly increased from $12,700 to $24,000. That increase resulted in fewer people having to itemize. In fact, today I think the number's up around 90 5% of people that no longer have to sit and itemize their deductions. But we do expect that after the standard deduction peaks in 225, it'll be cut back in half in 2026. And once again, more and more filers will have to go back and start itemizing their deductions. We're also seeing with qualified business income that one of the most substantial changes introduced in the act was the qualified business income deduction. That allowed a tax deduction for businesses of 20% of income <coughs> for sole proprietors, for LLCs, partnerships, S-corps, trusts, and estates. The main reason for this deduction was to match the large and permanent C-corp or corporate tax rate that went down to 21%. Taxpayers with adjusted gross incomes below 170000 or th- a single or 340100 if they were married qualified for that full 20% deduction with a complete phase-out of the, between 220410 and 440000 We also saw the alternative minimum tax has been a bane for many taxpayers. It was originally intended to impact only the extremely wealthy <coughs> and never indexed for inflation. It's trapped more and more middle-income taxpayers since then. The MT received a significant makeover under the tax act, with an exemption increase from 54300 to 70300 for individuals in 80, from 84500 to 109400 for married. More substantially, the income exemption phase-out increased from 120000 to 500000 for individuals, from 160000 to $100 million for marrieds. These categories reduced the amount of AMT that uh, taxpayers from $5 million to only 200000 <coughs> With the sunset of the tax stack, AMT provisions are also going to revert. So basically keeping you on track, need to pre- uh, preparing your taxes can be complex. The accidental errors can be easy to make. But being diligent, carefully strategizing, keeping up with the new rules, you can improve your ability to manage your taxes and keep pace with whatever comes down from Washington. Remember, even if you're working with a tax professional, you're responsible for making sure that you correctly file your financial details. If you have questions about your financial life, we're here to help you navigate this uh, evolving landscape as the tax cut and job acts expires. 
We're also welcome to collaborate with your tax professionals on things that we can do. Again, I'm going to go back to looking at taking advantage of things like your retirement plans, doing your Roth conversions, all that good kind of stuff. Those are nice little things that we can do. And we saw a report here also says retirement worries are affecting the mental health of U.S. workers. They're saying that they're stressed about their finances, that mental health and well-being is a population are essential to overall health and productivity, and that's according to a report by TELUS Health, which is a Canadian health technology company. In September of this year, mental health workers in the United States declined to a level not seen in seven months. A report based on a survey of 5,000 U.S. workers found that the worst mental health and financial well-being scores are among the 20% of the workers who don't know how much retirement savings they're going to need in order to maintain their savings. Other key takeaways, nearly one quarter, or approximately 24% of the workers are concerned that they won't be able to retire. The top two financial concerns are keeping up with inflation and the bill to retire. Workers asked whether they knew, knew how much they would need to save to maintain their desired standard of living. 43% complained, claimed to be uncertain. 20% didn't know. One quarter, 25% are concerned that they won't be able to retire with the same standard of living they have now. 24% are concerned that they won't be able to retire at all. 11% are concerned that they're going to run out of money. In retirement, men are 50% more likely than women uh, uh, to not be concerned about having money for retirement. And three-quarters percent, or 74%, said that the importance that their employer to offer a retirement savings option. Dick Donahue with you with Wealth Wake Up Live. Thanks for being here. Don't forget our show tomorrow morning at 9 o'clock. And again, Merry Christmas. Happy Holidays. We'll be back. Thanks for being with us. on the show are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine which strategies or investments may be suitable for you, consult the appropriate qualified professional prior to making a decision.